The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? I was driving with my boyfriend. He was, like, trying to get me out because he's like, you need to just get out. Leave the house. You need to leave the house. Let's go do something fun. So we're driving. We're on the freeway. And I was, like, imagining all the cars, like, plummeting to their, uh, you know, plummeting off the freeway. And after years of therapy, I realized, like, that was my brain normalizing suicidal behavior. And I just, there was a month where I didn't want to do anything. I I, I didn't want to continue on. That was a quick clip from this week's episode with Danny Pellegrino. If you don't know who Danny is, he is an actor and writer. I would consider him a comedian. He's funny. He hosts the hit podcast, Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere where you could get your podcast. And the show has frequently appeared in the top 10 film TV podcasts on iTunes since launching back in October 2017. Here's a funny story. Danny just found out about Pretty Wild this year. And so he has a pretty big account where he makes memes and talks a lot about reality TV and, of course, everything iconic. And so uh, he started writing about uh, Pretty Wild and everyone was like, you need to get on each other's podcast. And so here we are. We're making it happen. We're diving into, of course, pop culture Nancy Joe Call, The Works, um, Real Housewives, all of the Bravo TV shows, and then into more serious stuff like mental health and what it was like to come out as a gay man. So this episode is filled with lots of juice. I'm so looking forward to it. And with that, here's this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Okay. I'm really excited for this moment. I didn't, Danny didn't know who I was until like a month ago and I didn't know who you were until right, we didn't a month really ago. Know each other. I mean I had some some vague understanding because I of course knew that iconic scene where you're calling Nancy Joe. Like yes. as a reality TV watcher, I knew that scene, but I never watched the show. And I'd seen it pop up and of course and my boyfriend like loved the show. Like he thought it was he always would try to tell me like you should watch Pretty Wild. And then finally like I had surgery. I had my appendix taken out and some some health stuff. And so I wasn't able to move for like a month. And I, so I was like watching everything, like anything I could could get my hands on, I would watch. And so I finally dove in and I was obsessed. Like I thought, I watch a lot of reality TV and it was like, it was so good, but also very troubling in a lot of ways. And I know you've talked openly about it. And right after I finished watching it, I like start, I was like obsessed with this whole thing. And I posted about it on my Instagram and people were saying, you got to listen to Alexis's podcast. You got to listen to her on other people's podcasts. Check out her book. I got your book. It was like, I was so fascinated by you because knowing reality TV, I've seen so many people not able to come out the other side. I'd say 99.9% don't. You know whose book I'm really looking forward to is Kim Richards. Oh, me too. April comes out. Or, yeah, is it April? Cannot so June? wait. Yeah, I can't wait too. I stopped I watching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills after her addiction was kind of like, uh, and everybody was, yeah, they were like, 
profiting off of the madness of her sickness. And I couldn't, I literally could not watch it anymore. It's hard. I With these shows, I watch a lot of Bravo shows and it's like, sometimes it does get into that territory where it's just a little too dark. And I like, I want it to be real. Like I want to feel like I'm really getting a peek in someone's life, but then also it just can get a little too far with certain people. It happens a lot, but I, I don't know anyone that comes out of the other side. And so hearing your story was so interesting to me. And that's why I, I like followed you. And I was just obsessed with everything. I listened to you on, I think Jackie Schimmel's podcast, Heather McDonald's podcast. Um, and people were like sending me like, listen to that. And it was so fascinating to me. Well, thank you. And what I think is really interesting too about Pretty Wild was it was aired at a time where you still didn't know that reality TV wasn't really real. And so it's interesting because people, a lot of the stuff on my show wasn't real. Mm-hmm. And so people always are like, well, what how, what did that feel like? And, blah, blah, blah. and I was like, that was all staged. Like right. my dog going missing and the pills that my mom found and like none of that. I wasn't crying over Javier. Yeah. I was crying because the production flushed my fucking oxys down the toilet and I was starting to detox. <laughs> but I, I was so fascinated watching it because I don't know that if it was made today, it certainly would be made so differently, aside from your own personal story. But I was thinking about like the e-camera crew and stuff. And there's moments where they're filming you young girls. And I I think, how old were you at the time? 18? Barely 18. Barely 18. Which seeing certain shots of you guys in your underwear or things like that. And I'm like, oh my God, like how gross of these camera people, certain moments where I don't think that would happen today. I don't know. Maybe it would. Maybe it would. But it just seemed like... 18 is so young. So I know you're, it's 18 is supposed to be an adult. Although I think back to um, little Kylie and, uh, and. Oh, on the pole. On the pole pole. in their mom's bedroom. So I, I don't know. He's always kind of pushed the, Mm. the limits for sure in that regard. You do need sort of the water cooler moments in order to survive in reality TV. I've Mm -hmm. seen so many shows kind of come and go. And I always think the template is reality, uh, uh, Real Housewives of New Jersey. Like they had the table flip Mm -hmm. and it was like, that was the moment I, I believe that really like cemented them as like a cultural show. And, um, and so I think you really do need those moments um, to get a second season. Yeah. And so, I, and now even, especially because there's been so much reality, I think it's even harder to get that moment that's the water cooler moment because we've seen it all. Yeah. Well, then I think the Nancy Joe was definitely. <laughs> oh, so good, Alexis. Like it's Highlight so, of a decade. I don't think, I, I'm, a, I'm a writer too, like, uh, and I can't imagine even just writing, it, it heightens so perfectly that scene. Like it's, yeah. it's written to perfection and it's just real life. I mean, it's. It you was know, real life. It was staged a little bit, maybe, but it's... I The only part that was staged probably was, well, they had all of us get in the room together and they had read the article. They knew it was bad. Because here's the thing, you know, and I've talked about this before, is Nancy said, I'm a mom. I care about your story and I'm only going to write about you. I'm not going to write... This is kind of like your piece. And my attorneys at the time said, you know, you're not doing any other media because we don't trust anybody else. So we really trusted her. And what you guys saw on the show of me talking about shoes and fashion and all that stuff, we had spent days together, mm-hmm. hours and hours together. We just saw the little and clip so of you your said interview a little with clip. her. So all of that was real. I mean, they cut out. I probably left 60 plus voicemails that had been. Oh, I want to see the raw footage. Because <laughs> this was back in the day, you know, when you had to like, it, it would go, I'm sorry. You you're- lied. <laughs> 
<laughs> but the voicemail, like, oh, if it was too loud or it cut you off, then it would be like, we're sorry. We can, you know, please, please re-record. re-record. So oh. I, over and over and over, and I was just so high and so heartbroken. And, oh, my God, that was just so— but just looking at that scene, I yes. mean, and I, I, my heart goes out to you in that time because you were going through so much. But it just as a scene, if you were to just take kind of like the emotion out of it, it's so funny. Like, it's just so funny. It's so funny. And I love that you embrace it now. And you, yes. I, I see you post memes and stuff about it. And it's just, I think, one of the best reality TV scenes of all time. I hope it never dies. <laughs> no, I don't no, think it no, will. No, <laughs> nobody too, ever too, let like, that die. It's just too funny. It's, it's just too, too we, I And I, seeing it in the context of the whole show, because I had binged the whole show. And so then it just added like a whole other element. And there were so many other great moments too that I think were in the show. But that moment is just, there's nothing better. I haven't seen every episode. Is that crazy? Oh my God. Do you think you ever will dive in? Or are you not, not uh, into yeah. it? Yeah. Um, I might. Where is it available? <laughs> it's on know. the Bravo. T- <laughs> I hate that I know this. It's on the Bravo TV app. Which is weird because it's like, why would it be on there? I don't know. I, well, it's NBC Universal. So they're, oh, okay. Yeah, they're, so they own the whole they thing. They own it. At least that's what I last I heard. I watched it. My boyfriend had him downloaded on iTunes so like from forever ago. So that's how I watched it. But I people told me, because I was telling everyone, I was like, you have to binge this. It's six episodes. It's so easy to watch. And it's so thrilling. Yeah. No, it was great. Um, but then I didn't. It seemed then I felt bad though because then I learned about your story and I was like, oh mm, man. But give some perspective, right? Yeah. yeah. Quick break from today's episode. I'm going to tell you right now. Pause those little fingers of yours. I know we all like to skip through the ad reads, but I'm telling you, this is a product that you need to know about. It's one of my faves and something that I use every single day. It is Cured Nutrition. I'm such a big fan, you guys. Every single night, I use their Zen Nighttime Blend along with their tincture, and I even use their dog treats for my pup who's recovering from cancer. Did you know that CBD is most commonly incorporated in wellness regimens to improve sleep, decrease inflammation, and reduce the body's total stress load. I mean, who doesn't need that? I certainly do. Cure Nutrition's mushroom and CBD blends, tinctures, and treats work with your body's natural system to produce clear benefits without the worry of psychoactive components. That means this won't get you high. It just makes you feel relaxed. Plus, how many other companies can say that their products are locally sourced and crafted in-house? I'm thinking probably very few. Each cured product is third-party tested for potency purity in the absence of harmful contaminants like microbials, pesticides, and heavy metals. Fully aligned with complete transparency, they've even published these details on their website. Right now, if you go to curednutrition.com, you can use promo code Alexis25 at checkout for 25% off your order of $50 or more. Again, that's curednutrition.com with the promo code Alexis25 at checkout for 25% off your purchase of $50 or more. I'm Arielle Laurie, host of the Blonde Files podcast, where every Wednesday I cover all things wellness. After nearly dying from drugs and alcohol six years ago, I've been on a mission to live my best, most fulfilled life, and I'm sharing everything with you. From how to achieve optimal health, well-being, and fulfillment, to the best beauty tips and even cosmetic procedures, I cover it all with raw, candid conversations with experts and inspirational guests. You can follow along with everything over on Instagram at Arielle Laurie and make sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. 
It was a blessing that we didn't get a second season. It was, you know, it's this weird dichotomy. And now I feel like we're on your podcast and you're on mine. So we should be talking about you. But it, I'll just say no, this, that it's really interesting. It. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, oh, I kind of wish that it happened now because I would be able to help more people. I'd have a bigger audience. Like I'd have more followers and I could really be in this work and really I'm making an impact like our numbers on this podcast are amazing. I'm so grateful for everybody who listens every fucking week. Yeah. And and all of the thousands of people who have, re- you know, read the book and shared about it and all of the things. So grateful. Um, but I'm like, it would give me more of a platform, but um, I wouldn't have it any other way. And not having a second season saved my life. That's amazing. You know, had I not gone to rehab, had I not gone to jail, had all that stuff not transpired the way that it did, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, everything happens for a reason, right? Like you did it at that time for a specific reason and it, it helped you ultimately. Yeah. But it is addictive. And then I went and watched The Bling Ring. And <laughs> I, I was like a, obsessed with the whole story. I read the Vanity Fair article and I was mad at Nancy Joe. Yeah. I'm still mad at Nancy Joe. I'm still oh, upset with her. Nancy She's listening. <laughs> she, probably, upset. she probably fucking is. I bet she, she listens. Probably, yeah. I bet she does. I don't know why she just wouldn't admit to the BB shoe thing. But did you read the whole thread on my Twitter? Did you read, I read the whole, I, like, with the documentation and the court documentation, all of the shit that I posted? Mm-hmm. You read the yeah, whole thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I've literally consumed so much information about the whole thing. I'm like, did I read that? I'm like, yeah, I did. I'll send you text. It's no. like upsetting, like, how much I was into it. There was, like, a full weekend where I was obsessed. The bottom line is this. But why didn't For she admit? Can I just ex- ask? Why didn't she just know. at least admit that? I don't know. So because I invited, that's record. I don't know. And then when I reached out and I was like, come on the pod, let's chat, let's blah, blah, blah. Then she started like doubling down on more lies. And I was like, I I literally can't, I can't engage any further with Mm -hmm. you because the things that you're saying, like for instance, she was like, you were involved with more than one burglary. And I'm like, I wasn't, I was never charged with another burglary that's false. And she goes, no, 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 we know that you were involved. And I was like, really? And then it's like, I provided her with court documentation where Nick Prugo himself, the leader of the bling ring says Alexis was only involved with one. You know what I mean? It's like, she just, I don't know. I wonder why, what is the reason? I don't know. I think what it is, she profited in such a major way, which is funny because she says she didn't profit, but then she wrote a book, sold the book to make a movie and then played herself in the movie. So how she didn't profit off of that, I'm not sure. I have a question about this movie situation because I think I read, and forgive me, but I think I read that she said that you probably made more off the movie than she did. She does. She does say that, which I think is she comical. Wrote the she book. Lo- yeah, I don't know. None of it. Did makes you get sense. paid for the movie? I did. I got paid uh, for my life rights for two years. Okay. Uh, it wasn't some like outrageous. I think it was like twenty grand or something. Like it yeah. wasn't even like. So she had some to have gotten more thing. than that if to sell the rights to her book. Off the book alone, I'm sure she made yeah. more of that. Although I'll happily rub it in her face that my book has more five-star reviews on Amazon than hers does. Um, <laughs> Your book is really great. I was like also very <laughs> su- surprised you. by the writing, too. I thought it was fantastic. Thank you. But what did you think of the movie? I'm sorry, I your listeners. Re- I've never, You've never seen it. never seen the movie. No, my listeners love this. I think a lot of my listeners love it. Okay, I think good. a lot— they, they want to hear about along. it. Yeah, they follow along because of the pop culture, but also because we talk about real shit on here. And we're going to get to the real shit, I promise. We'll get to it. But and the reason why I watch Pretty Wild, I was depressed in bed, but we'll get there. But I, So you've never seen Emma Watson play you? No. But so I wonder why they had Did to— Did you read that part in the book where I talk about that? 
No, I'm not. No. I'm like halfway okay. through. I okay. had to put okay. it down to what okay. read Jessica Simpson's okay. book. And, uh, oh, and we can go there. <laughs> we can go there. Jessica Simpson, come on this podcast. Let's oh, chat. Yes. Um, and invite me along. If kind she of does. interesting, though. I will. The parallels in our stories, the early childhood sexual abuse that turns into addiction. And I and it's so common, I will say, at our, we own a drug and alcohol treatment center um, that also deals with mental health. And uh, I would say 100% of our women that come through have had early childhood sexual abuse and about 90% of our men that come through have dealt with uh, early childhood sexual abuse. It's devastating. So the two things go hand in hand. Yeah. I can't, is it super juicy? Like, does it's she just super lay juicy. it off? Yeah, See, I'm the, shocked that they let her publish all of it. I'm mad because there's so much. My book was way thicker than that. <laughs> and then the attorneys went through and they, and I think Jessica Simpson has the money where she's like, sue me, Screw fuckers. Yeah. Sue me. I don't know. She's, she's making billions off that clothing line. Mm-hmm. I don't. So but that's you'll what, see that, there's lots in there that had to get cut or sure. names had to be changed or we couldn't talk about this or that or the other thing. And it was, it was really a bummer. I was, was surprised hard. though that Jessica, she names names and like she just goes there with all these guys that she dated and stuff. And I was shocked that the publisher just didn't, must not have cared. Or like you said, she has the money She's to, to take the whatever, hit. but I was very surprised by it. Yeah. Um, well, that's next on my list. But you know, you see that with these pop stars and we see, we get trickle down information. So it's like we learn things 10 years later. So even yeah. about Jessica, we're just learning now about some of the struggles she went through entering the public eye at that age. And so much is like hidden from us when we see these stars like Britney Spears or or Jessica and and we get this trickle down information 10, 15, 20 years later. And it's, it's heartbreaking, particularly with women and how the media, I look back on that time and like how... I mentioned Pretty Wild and how they would film you guys in, in bra and underwear. And I remember around that time, it was like the girls would get out of the car and the paparazzi shots with their right legs their open, right? And, and they were 19, stuff. 20. They were, that's to me, I think that's like, you, you don't know yourself at that age. You're young. Yeah. And that breaks my heart that we consumed it as entertainment. And then they were just, I couldn't imagine going in the grocery store and like seeing your legs spread wide open on the front on of the, in touch. The tabloid. Right. <laughs> it's brutal. It's weird, though. Brutal. It's weird. It was a weird time. It was, and now we have all of these young girls who are going on Instagram and just spread eagling, yeah. you know, downward dogging and thong, <laughs> thong swimsuits all over Instagram. And I guess the good thing is that 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 it's in their power They're and in, in their hands and in their control. Um, however, I don't necessarily think that it's healthy. But yeah. that's my own opinion. Um, I believe women should be able to do whatever they want with their bodies. But I also think that we need to. And I don't think that showing bodies and all that stuff is promoting rape culture or any of these things. But I also think that anytime that we're rebelling from a lack of being able to really express ourselves or be equal to men or take our shirts off or whatever, and our solution is to get naked— I think we need to be focused more, and I've said this in the, this is the third episode I'm talking about this, but here we go Driving again, home, guys. Alexis. Use let's use our brains mm. to get equal and not our fucking tits. Yeah. Our tits are just like amazing too, and we should be able to like rock our tits. But like also let's like put some brains into yeah, this. A mix, yeah, a good mix, a good mix. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I think it's important. Yeah, it's totally important. 
quick break from today's episode to talk to you guys about Laurel Springs. As parents, we want to encourage our children to pursue their dreams and provide opportunities that give them the best chance to succeed. Sometimes that means optimizing their routine, making it more flexible or more dynamic so they have time to focus on the things they love. That's why there's Laurel Springs. Laurel Springs is an accredited online private school for students in kindergarten through 12th grade. Laurel Springs recognizes that each child is a unique individual with their own personal interests, special talents, and unique learning style. Their flexible learning program offers challenging and diverse elective courses too. And Laurel Springs is accredited by the Western Association of Schools and Colleges and Advanced ED, which means their transcripts are recognized by colleges and universities worldwide. I personally was homeschooled later on in my school career, and it was the best thing for me. As someone who is more of an artistic, I need to get out of the traditional school system and into an environment where I I could express myself artistically and get my schooling requirements met. And now, as a mother of a seven-year-old who is also very artistic, I am contemplating right now pulling her from traditional schooling and homeschooling her so that way she can get to dance class more and jujitsu class more, which she loves, all with the help of an online school like Laurel Springs, where they do the work for you. They've got all of the things that you need as a parent to support your children on their homeschool journey. Right now, you can register your child at laurelsprings.com slash reality today and receive a wave registration fee. That's laurelsprings.com slash reality for your waived registration fee. laurelsprings.com slash reality. Now back to the episode. So let's dive into like your mental health struggles because I think it's something that is especially for men that's not talked about as much. Yeah, you know, I have a podcast called Everything Iconic where I, I break down reality TV and I interview celebrities and stuff, but I, I started to open up a little bit about my mental health struggles and I noticed people would would write me and it helped me so much. And I'm, as I'm sure you know, it's like, just knowing other people go through a similar experience just makes it better for you. But so years ago, I had, in college, I had gone through some anxiety and depression stuff, but I didn't even know what it was. And then it sort of passed. And then uh, I moved out to LA and I was trying to, uh, I was a comedian and I was studying at this theater. And then around this time that this theater had basically like let me go, I had some deaths in my family, like a bunch of, a confluence of things happen. And it just sent me into this really, really dark place, unlike anything I've ever been in before. And it was about almost an exact month where I couldn't get out of bed. I was having hallucinations. I thought everyone was against me. I thought everyone was evil. Like it was, it was really just a dark time in my life. And I remember like my really low point and I've, forgive me for, I've told the story a million times, but I was going, I was driving with my boyfriend. He was like trying to get me out because he's like, you need to just get out. Leave the house. You need to leave the house. Let's go do something fun. So we're driving, we're on the freeway. And I was like imagining all the cars like plummeting to their, Mm. uh, you know, plummeting off the freeway. And after years of therapy, I realized like that was my brain uh, normalizing suicidal behavior. And there was a month where I didn't want to do anything. I, I I didn't want to continue on. I didn't want to. It was. It just got so bad. And then, luckily, I was like able to recognize that I was feeling so different than my normal baseline feelings. 
And so I started to do all those things that kind of help you get out of that or help you face that. So I started seeing a therapist. I started meditating. I started uh, working out more, focusing on my diet, like all those little things to try to get out of this dark place. But it was it was bad. And so ever since that situation, I kind of got out of it, but it, it never leaves you. I, I feel like I'll always have depression and anxiety. Sometimes it's better, sometimes it's worse. Uh, but I, I at least know the the tips and tools and stuff to kind of combat it when it's really bad. And it's interesting going back to your show because I'd had surgery and I thought I had such a good grasp on this. I haven't had, I haven't been in that dark of a place for about four or five years. And I had surgery at the beginning of this year. It was unexpected. My appendix burst. I wasn't, you know, and I wasn't able to move. And that fucked with my head. And so I started to get in this dark place again. And I was I was just watching TV. I was in bed watching TV, but I had gotten in such a dark place again. And I, I didn't think I could get in that dark again. And it happened. And it's just like, it is what it is. I, I'm going to have to deal with it my whole life. It's going to come and go. Certain life situations are out of your control. Yeah. My anxiety is centered around certain things. You know what I mean? Do you do you have those like trigger things or is it just something that you feel? I'm a naturally anxious person. And then the anxiety I feel like ramps up at particular times. Have you been like that since you were a kid? I would say yes. Yeah, I, it got really bad in college. I'm a gay man now, but I was living in Ohio and I was closeted. And then the I, I just wasn't living in an area that was like widely accepted to be gay. I have two older brothers. It was like a conservative family. Like it just wasn't my normal. And then finally, like I at the end of my college experience, I remember my anxiety got so bad. And I, I remember going to my primary care physician because I was having all these physical symptoms with my anxiety. That's when the physical symptoms started. And I just didn't understand that it was anxiety. And my doctor didn't either. He thought, you know, I was having some skin issues or something because I was, my acne, I was getting really bad acne and my skin would be like really itchy. Like I couldn't, I couldn't scratch the itch. And all of these physical symptoms I didn't understand were anxiety. And then finally I moved to Chicago. I moved to a city that I was seeing gay people. I was able to like kind of go out to a gay bar and be surrounded by other gay people. And I finally came out of the closet. And my anxiety, definitely when that happened, it was like a weight off my shoulders. I felt so much better. But then there were other problems. I was I was having trouble with my mom because she didn't really accept the gay thing right away. And it was, so the anxiety started to manifest in other ways. And then it was career stuff. I, I, after Chicago, I moved to LA and it was like, then my anxiety was based around career stuff because here I was trying to make it in LA, whatever that means. And it was, the anxiety kept acting up. Yeah. My, one of my best friends, Jeremy is gay. And before he came out, he had, he's always dealt with anxiety. And I think um, and ADD and all of that kind of stuff. And it, Jeremy, if you're listening, I love you. Love you, um, Jeremy. We do. And I just remember how challenging it was for him. His anxiety got so bad where he would he would want to come and stay with me, but he couldn't drive on the freeway. He would take side streets from Westlake Village to Burbank. Mm -hmm. The entire it would take him three hours to get to my house because he could not drive on a freeway. Yeah. And it I remember it just so crippling and, and I, and I relate to this cause I've dealt with pretty severe anxiety and depression 
throughout my my sobriety and in my life. And um, wait, you talked about the weight being lifted. I remember the look in his face. I was, a, I think, the first person he told that he came out to. We'd been friends since fifth grade at that point, and it was really late one night, and we'd both been drinking, and I was trying to sleep, and he was, like, tossing and turning in the bed next to me, and then finally he was like, I need to talk to you about something. I'm like, it's 2 a.m. Like, let's go fucking go to bed. Like, leave me alone. I'm yeah. drunk. You know, you're, like, so <laughs> drunk, and you just, like, really want to, like, go to bed and just sleep it off. And he, like, pulled me. We were staying in a hotel with other people, and he pulled me out in the hallway, and he, like, looked at me. He was, like, going back and forth down the hallway, and then he looked at me, and he goes, I'm gay. I'm really, really fucking gay. And I looked up at him, and I'm like, I know, baby. I've known all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when we made out in sixth grade, I knew you were gay. <laughs> I know. That's the funny thing. I know. People are like, yeah, we get it. We knew. We, we right. knew. Um, but just the But it gets weight, built up in your head. Like it's, it's but, snowballs. Yes. And yeah. the weight. And um, I think our biggest fear for everybody whether you're, and I'm bi, and I know that that, and I kept that a secret for a very long time. I actually just told one of my family members who I'm like best friends with, I, I'd never said it. And I would, and I would just, I feel? just came, oh my God. It's like the book was coming out and there was some bisexual stuff that was in there that's now been removed, I believe, or maybe there's like a little snippet in there, but uh, she's really, really religious. And I just felt like I just couldn't, do it. And, right. and that feeling, it's like, it's, it's weird because when you're around people and you're not living and being your authentic self, you feel that all mm -hmm. the time. It's the only thing you can think about. You can't even enjoy right. dinners or being out or shopping or any of the experiences you're having. Cause you're like, I'm not really being honest about my feelings about this and who I am. Mm -hmm. And so I just remember the relief on his face and the relief when he told his parents. I mean, he was in a relationship with this girl at the time. They had, had sex one time in one year. And I was oh like, okay, baby, like, and we're that, just that waiting. one time was probably so, so tough bad. for him. He was <laughs> so drunk. No, what's weird, and I don't know what this is like, is, um, and nobody knows, I didn't say Jeremy's last name, so good luck finding him, um, is every time he'd get super drunk, he'd try to fuck me. Mm. And, like, he would throw himself all over me and just, like, constantly be trying. I remember, like, tr kicking him out of a cab. Like, just, like. Oh, my gosh. But he was so drunk. And I don't know if he was just trying. Like, when he was drunk, his inhibitions was lower. Himself. So he's trying to yeah. convince himself. But, yeah, like, just living that in that secrecy is yeah. so It's very hard. dangerous, too. I think back when I was in high school and college and I would I would go to a gay bar in, like, downtown Cleveland or uh, when I was in Chicago and not out yet, I would go to the, but I would have to be so drunk to go because that would be the only time my inhibitions would be lowered enough to go and express those feelings. And it's not safe. Like it, I, I, there was, there were times that I remember driving where I was drunk and I, I think drunk driving is terrible. I don't, I certainly don't endorse that by any means, but that's why I think it's so dangerous. And then for me, once I finally got out of the closet, it was like, okay, now I'm not, I'm going to open an open book now because I realized like how hard it was for me to live with that. And so now I'm, I'm an open book without everything. And, uh, and it was a struggle for my mom because she, she had troubles accepting the gay stuff. My dad was much better about it. That's interesting. I know most kids, That's were most really gay men, interesting. Yeah. my yeah. mom, my mom just, 
she's my favorite person in the entire world. I love her to death. But she cares so much about like what other people think. And so for mm. her, she was just worried about like what other people would think about the situation. And even she would say like, don't tell your grandpa. Like, and so, and I'm like, mom, I'm not going to, try to once I'm out of the closet, you. like I'm done with that. Like, I'm not going to pretend yeah. around the holidays. Like it's to ask a gay person to just pretend to be straight, just to like appease grandma and grandpa or someone I remember they would say like, well, they, they just wouldn't understand because it's not their generation. And it's like, well, you don't understand what it's doing to me to ask yeah. me to go back in the closets. I guess as a parent, I can understand those feelings. I have a daughter who's three. And since she was two, she's identified as male. Mm. It's scary because I I don't want her to go through this life in that I know how hard it is. Like, even in 20, I get emotional talking about it. I'm sure. In 2020, to like identify as anything other than the status quo is still really, really hard. And as so a mom, you just want to protect. She already wants a boy haircut. So she says it every single day. So she's going to get a boy haircut. But, you know, you're scared. Yeah, because of kids at school. And, you know, she's almost four now. And, uh, Thankfully, we go to a pretty accepting school, but it's it's hard, you know. She wants big boy pull-ups and a big boy bed, and I know soon enough she's going to ask me for boy clothes. Um, and part of it is, and maybe this sounds selfish and absurd, but it's my feelings. I'm fucking saying it, but part of it feels sad because I'm like, in a weird way, losing my little girl. Mm. But like part of me is like, well, I always wanted a boy. <laughs> but you're you're mourning the death of one, of, right? Well, potentially, you know, right. and who knows? And right. I, I in the beginning, I thought it was just a phase, um, but it's been over a year now, and so we're kind of just like navigating the space. Yeah. But uh, I just couldn't imagine, <laughs> as you know, they say mother bear. It's like you want you want to protect. So even yeah. with my mom, of course, it's not the same situation. But I. I understood that. Like, I, I got that because my mom just wanted to protect me. Yeah. Uh, but, and of course, every situation's different. And I'm not trans, but I think I just encourage to to know that protecting sometimes means letting them do yes. be who they want to be, right? Yeah. And, and that sometimes is the best gift you can give yeah. your child. Well, and I want her to know that I love, of course, that whatever the choice is, there's no doubt in my mind that I'm going to support on this path. And that's the best yeah. gift you can give. Yeah. And of acceptance in all of us. And, you know, it's, just, it's a little bit scary. So I guess when you initially said that your mom was the one that was on the fence, I can't I, – it took me by surprise because usually I think it's the dad like, yeah. oh, well, you're not going to play baseball with me and all this stuff anymore. All the stupid stuff like as if gay people can't play baseball. Right. But, you know, know. that's what I've heard yeah. from my gay friends. Their dads the are like, you're not going to watch football. Right. Uh, and I and I laughed because I'm like Jeremy never watched football, you guys. <laughs> I know my dad was not really like a sports person. Okay, like, well, so you, know, you were lucky. Yeah. But my other gay friends were like their dads yeah, were yeah. like, oh my god, there's no more Super Bowl Sundays, and like I'm like Jeremy was like playing with Barbie dolls, yeah, <laughs> in his sister's room. But no, I mean, I get I get that from that mother bear perspective yeah. of you know you just want to protect your. Your child. My mom, she's also like one of my favorite, I said she's my favorite person in the world. And I get her, her and I have the same brain in a lot of ways. And so like she has anxiety and like I see, we have the same exact brain. Like I'm turning into her, I'm I'm her already almost. But <laughs> but I, I don't know if that had something to do with it. My dad's more of a, a little bit of an intellectual. So I think he was able to see like 
he, to him, he was like, whatever. Like he was fine with it. Yeah. Uh, there was maybe like a few, a few little struggles or something like that. But my mom, she was the one who just, she wanted me to like hide it and she didn't understand. And still to this day, she'll say things like that she doesn't get. I'm doing my, um, my best friend's getting married and I'm doing her bachelorette party. And my mom like doesn't get that I'm her man. I'm like her man, man of, of honor. honor. And my yeah. mom doesn't get that, which is, I, I like try to explain to her. She's like, well, why do you have to go to her bachelorette party? I'm like, well, I'm her I'm her man of honor. Like I'm her maid, like basically her maid of honor. And she's like, but you're a guy. Like she just doesn't get it. And so to her gender roles and stuff are just hard to grasp. And uh, she's also living in suburban Ohio and it's nothing. I love Ohio, but she just isn't surrounded by a lot of diversity or gay people in her life. And so it's hard for her to get things sometimes. But but I pushed her and the more I push her, the more she kind of gets it. And it's like now she let her and my boyfriend are friends and like oh, they tech they I talk on their own and like she's great now. And it's just very occasionally where something will come up, like the bachelorette party where I'm like, Ma, come on, get it. <laughs> <laughs> get with the program here. But um, I think going I think going back to what you said, it's much easier to live a life faced with heart, I think, to live a life faced with hardships than live a life in secrecy. So even though mm. you're, you said your daughter wants to live as a boy, right? Even though uh, that is scary in other ways, I think it's worse to live in secrecy. 100%. I truly believe the mental and emotional are connected to the physical. So Absolutely. that's when you start to get all these physical things happening. I, I think stress Thing, stress, shame, anxiety that all causes uh, physical symptoms. And so it's not easy to live in shame. Yeah. All right. I want to go back into the pop culture for a second um, because I never talk about that on this podcast. Let's do it. Do you watch Bachelor? Now, I don't do Bachelor Nation. I know I would love it. And if I dove in, but I do so much Bravo mm. that it's just there's too so much of a time There's so much Bravo commitment. too. Like there's how so could you Bravo. do, you couldn't do it all. There's so many housewives. There's so many shows on Bravo that I watch. There's just no way that I would be able to cover Bachelor as well. So I just do, I just do Bravo. I might switch over to Bravo again because I'm so freaking disappointed in this season of The Bachelor. It is like is it pitiful. It is so pitiful. I think he, well, there's been, Ari was a horrendous Bachelor too. Um, this is Pete, right? This Pete, is Pete, right? Yes. He just can't make up his mind. They're like doing all this extra dramatic shit that's like totally staged and you can tell because there's like no storyline going on and I'm just losing fucking interest. Okay, let's move on to Real But House. I think real quickly with yes. Bachelor, I feel like more and more people know now going into that show that it's just a platform to get social media followers. Following. And mm-hmm. so it's like, I that's do why recommend they do to it. all of my girlfriends who are like trying yeah, to make it. it. I'm like, just go on the fucking bachelor and I, make it to, to episode five. I just told if my you friend make it Lisa, to episode five, you will be fine. <laughs> Literally last night I was with my friend Lisa and I was like, just go on. Cause she's, and if you fall in love, great. Yeah. What well, if that happens? Great. But go on there, get the social media following. Then you get the yeah, brand sponsorships, make, a lot, make a lot of money and you're fine. Mm-hmm. Don't even care about the guy. Do yeah, it as a business just thing. Business thing, which is so yeah. fucked up to say. Um, Do they have an age limit on that show now? Oh, it is so absurd. So all of these girls are 22. And who am I to talk? Because I was 20 when I got married. But um, but it's young. The point is, they're, they all look the same. 
They all look to me like they're in they their forties with the because I feel like they so have a lot of much. Botox. And it's stuff. like the Kylie Jenner syndrome yeah. where you're like, oh, I should look like that right now, but it's you're like twenty two. Like, don't do any of that when I you're twenty. I know, I know, but whatever. Okay, I want to move on because I mean, do it if you want. I need you to get me on Real Housewives of Orange County. I am the next Real Housewives of Orange County. Oh my God, County Alexis, Housewives. I would love it if you you should do join you it. Connect. I, I'm trying I to think. I do it. <laughs> They already cast for next season, Fuck. but my sister like just great. moved to Orange County. Oh my god, the and two of you. That's when I and she's pregnant. And that's when I heard that, you know, and I could buy the big house in Kodo. Have they ever contacted I could buy, you? No, no, but they fucking should. They Andy, are you listening? Andy, uh, I'm going to, <laughs> yes. I'm going to be at Watch What Happens Live on Tuesday. I'm going to bring it up. But anyways, my know. girlfriend goes, do you want to be a bartender on Watch What Happens Live? And I was like, is this an insult or a compliment? I can't tell. I don't watch what, what I don't watch that show. So I don't yeah. know. Like if that's like a It can like be a, a little thing. bit of both. It can be a little bit of both. Right. Like it can be humiliating, but like also maybe good. Yeah. Like for me, it's good because- it's good. Oh, so is that what you do on That's there? what I'm doing there okay. on Tuesday. But I think... But uh, you, this is right up your alley. You're yeah, like right up my the alley. guy. Like, uh, I'm excited to just like ask a bunch of questions and all of that kind of stuff. But I think uh, it can be either. Like, okay. I think if you're like a bigger star and they're like, do you want to uh, bartend? I think that could but be I'm maybe like a husband. So it might not work. No, but I think it'd be great. I think you should do it. <sighs> Really, I'm just going to make my husband buy me a house in Kodo and we're going to move to Kodo. And but that's I'm gonna, the first. And I will fucking, th- there will be so, we're going to take all those bitches to church. They need you on Orange County too because that <laughs> city needs a lot of help it's right so now. They sleepy. just got rid of a bunch of people. But would, would you do an, a Real Housewives with your sister or is that out of the question with Tess? Tess would never. No. You know, she lives in like Wisconsin. Yeah. In the okay, middle wait. Of so, but would you. Gabby. Ga- do it with Gabby. Gabby. Yes. Okay. Hundred percent. I don't know if Gabby would, but I would a hundred percent. Um, but yeah, there's this community. My that family member that I was talking about, super Christian, love her to death. Um, she might be listening to this. Episode. I'm sorry to interrupt, but that would just be great on the housewives to like they could even <laughs> flash. I'm thinking about it. They own the footage already. We know they own the footage to pretty wild, so they could easily flash back whenever we yeah. needed a little flashback. Yeah. Oh, it'd be great. So good. But she lives in this community called um Ladera Ranch and it's right next to Kodo. I'm like, so I'll just buy a house there and like, you know, Perfect. it would be great. I'll sell my house. I brought Andy and Bravo Network. I will sell my, I will put my house on the market right now. I think it'd be great. Just because TV. I love it. Out of all of the franchises, I think I heard you say that yours is New York and Ramona is incredible and you'll yeah. never get any argument out of, out of me from that. But, um, Orange County, like the OG, like yeah. Vicky season two was. <laughs> I mean, Vicky gave us so many years of great TV. So Towards the end, years. not so great. But yeah, no. I think she really just gave us so, so much. It's one of those things. It's like you've got to call it early. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like she should have called it a couple of seasons ago when she could have walked out and been like, I was the baddest. Like I made this franchise mm-hmm. fucking happen. Yeah, leave like on a the good HBIC. Note, leave, right. You know what I mean? I can't imagine what she's going through mentally now to have that job for 15 years. And now what she, what's she going through? Because it's Retire. just a whole life change. What is she, 55 plus? Yeah, she, I think she's around, I think she's around 60. 60? But yeah. Fucking go and enjoy your life. But I think with these women, it's hard because they kind of get the fame and then it just goes away. And I think it, from what I see to the women who like leave the housewives and stuff, I feel like it's an adjustment because all of a sudden you're back in the world. And basically these people have to quit their regular jobs to do housewives. You know, like they'll come on the show and they'll say, I do this or that. But 
for the most part, they have to kind of quit. Yeah, because they didn't have. They were housewives. Yeah. I'm just telling you guys, I would bring so much. We've got so much going on. The podcast, we've got like, I'm traveling all over the world doing speaking gigs and like, I'll just create all of the fucking fun and drama. And I'll be like the person that everyone comes to, to talk about how much they hate the other person. And I'll be like the reasonable, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, blah, 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 blah. But then I'll also be talking about that person behind their back, the other person. Sure. Yeah. It would be amazing. Uh, I, Anyways, I always this is love, my dream. I always love on Housewives when they have like a family dynamic. I think that's what works so yes. well on Jersey. And then Beverly Hills, you mentioned Kim Richards. Her and Kyle, their storyline is always the most compelling, although it did get very dark. But I think when there's a family dynamic on those shows, it adds so much. Because then there's just, you act differently with your sister or your siblings. Yes. And you're a little bit more apt to throw them under the bus when they piss you off, right? Like, it, <laughs> yes, you just... Gabby and I do fight like cats and dogs. We love each other, but we fight a lot. And but then yes, you move on quickly, that. which is great for reality yes, TV. Because we love each other and would fucking kill anybody for mm-hmm. each other. We would in a heartbeat. Um, it yeah, makes for great TV. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And then uh, I told you, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, I stopped watching, but I might reinvest because I've heard that Lisa Rinna is like amazing and that this new cast is pretty great. You know, the past couple seasons, I think of Beverly Hills have been lackluster in my opinion. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't, okay, I haven't I liked, no, I haven't liked the past two or maybe three seasons of Beverly mm. Hills. And I used to love it. It was like one of my favorites, but I, I don't know. It's just gotten really snoozy to me. Okay. Um, but I like New York because I think they're funny. I think those women are naturally funny. And Beverly Hills, they're just not like, the personalities aren't so funny to me. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, they're very um, pristine. Yeah. And perfect. And throwing these parties for their like 16 year olds that are probably like $500,000. <laughs> and everything with Beverly Hills, it's like so, it's so plastic and they try to hide everything, which in the early seasons, it was interesting because the stuff they were trying to hide would seep out with people like Kim Richards or Taylor Armstrong, where it was like their real lives, the darkness would kind of seep out and we'd see the birthday party, but then you could kind of like see what's going on behind their eyes and stuff. Does that make sense? Where it was like you could tell behind Taylor the scenes. had a lot of issues. A lot of stuff. I mean, it was a lot of stuff, yeah. Bless her. Yeah, she bless her. Had a but lot. It was a lot of stuff going on. Same with Kim. And then when Brandy Glanville came on, Brandy's just like messy. Oh, Brandy. So it was very, there was a lot of juice. And then they got rid of all the messy people, I think. So who would you give? <laughs> So who would you get rid of right now on the Beverly Hills uh, cast? Uh, I think, um, I know people get upset with me, but I don't think Erica Jane, mm-hmm. she, she sort of has so much separate storyline. Last season, she was barely in the episodes with the other women. She wasn't getting in the mix at all. She doesn't really fight with people. When she does fight, it's great. Like when she loses it, she loses it. But it's so rare. And then Teddy, too, is just, bo- I think, a little bit boring. She's very sweet. And she, Teddy, to me, seems like just such a normal, wonderful person, but not a reality TV person that I want to watch. Yeah. <laughs> She's an accountability coach, and everyone always says, it's like, we don't want people who are accountable like, <laughs> on the show. Like, she's it, she's just very normal. Yeah. And I don't think that translates well yeah. to, to this kind of show. So I would get rid of them. I think Rena can be great TV. She, like, stirs the pot a little bit. and I think she, she's great. Yeah, she's great. I'm trying to think of who else. Kyle I think should stay. Kyle's like, the, she's the OG now because Vanderpump Vander is gone. gone. And I, by the way, I think it was so smart. I think Vanderpump should have left that show because she looks so much, she's better on Vanderpump Rules. She gets the Lord over that cast, be the Queen Bee, and it, 
She produces it. I think she should do Vanderpump Rules. I think Vanderpump Rules does better ratings. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but um, she- do you know who the new housewives are going into like OC? Like, do you have like a, like the inside scoop? You know, occasionally I hear I hear a lot of things like people DM me or or I you know I interview a lot of these housewives and stuff. So like. You know, I, I've heard things, but then it always kind of changes. With with Housewives, I think they film a lot of different people, and then occasionally people will be, like, edited out of the season. We just saw in New York, they released the trailer, and there's this one woman who I believe was, like, testing to be a housewife, and you see her sort of, like, lurking in the scenes of the show, but she's not part of the like main cast. In it. Yeah. But you see this, like, she's got, like, really dark brown hair, and you can see her in a lot of the scenes. But that happens a lot where it's, like, they'll film with people— and then if they're they don't have a storyline or nothing's going on, they cut them out yeah. or they make them a friend of. So I kind of have an idea of of a lot of the franchises with Orange County. What I heard is that they were bringing in people with who were friends with Bronwyn or had relationships with Bronwyn. Who I was don't know the, who she is. She was the new housewife last season. Is she younger. She's younger. She's got a million kids. <laughs> She's like. You know, I, I didn't like her on the first season, but I think maybe she could be really interesting going forward. Yeah. Sometimes the first season. They need some younger blood in there. Like, you know, I think Beverly Hills in New York works really well with like the with older, older cast. Yeah. yeah. But Orange County, it's like, first of all, you have all these young, famous YouTubers that have like the, um, what's that girl? The Savannah girl. She lives mm. out there. She's like got one of the biggest YouTubes, LeBrand. And then, you know who also I was thinking would be great? Um who would be super controversial is do you remember Nick Ritchie from The Dirty? Remember yes. that website The Dirty? Yeah, yeah. His he's married to Shane Lamas. Um, remember that show? Do you yes. remember that reality yeah, show? Yeah. Did you watch it? I don't I remember it. They live I in Kodo. That would be interesting. And he's so fucking controversial, mm-hmm. crazy, you know, I don't want to say he's crazy, but he's a avid Trump supporter. Uh, they just they Love just to got, stir the pot. <laughs> they, they just got rid of the older cat. They just got rid of Vicky and Tamara, who are like the oldest cast members on the show. Yeah. So they and need I do some think new young blood. And I think on these shows, we need to have a good turnover rate. So I think sometimes people overstay their welcome. And I am personally a fan of when they change it over a lot. And some of the other Bravo shows, like Below Deck, or uh, or this show called Summer House, they have a higher turnover rate with cast members and they bring in fresh blood all the time. And then they have like one or two stalwarts. But on Housewives, sometimes I feel like they're a little too scared to like get rid of people because they, everyone has their fan bases. And so they, they don't want to piss off. And they kind of become a family in a weird way. Like the girls start, you know, to like develop those relationships. And then it's like hard to like break yeah. it up and restart. But it was definitely time for um, Tamara and Vicky to go. Yeah. And I, I think it'll change the show up. It'll change the dynamics between the women. And Shannon is the one who was like really close with Tamara and Vicky. And I think it'll be really interesting to see her now without... The, her two friends. Support. Yeah. Interesting. Um, well, with that, there's your dose of pop culture history, you guys, with a little bit of mental health and LGBTQ um, answers, you know, right, yeah. in there too. So it was a fun mix. A little mix. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having I me. I hope to come on your podcast. Please do. And, and everyone listen to Everything Iconic, my show. Yes. <laughs> and follow along on Twitter. You're Danny Pellegrino. At Danny Pellegrino. Yeah. yeah. And on Instagram, you are too. Right. And the podcast is Everything Iconic. All of this will be in the show notes. And until next week. Thank you for having me. This week's affirmation is, I find happiness in life by slowing down and appreciating the little things in it. And so it is. 
If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, head over to the podcast app and make sure to subscribe to us, rate us and leave a review. We have new episodes every Monday and you can follow along with us on Instagram at recoveringfromreality or visit our website at recoveringfromreality.com. 